Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name is Donald. I'm a deacon and a GC leader here at Element, and I have the honor to do today's message this morning, and we're actually going to dive right in. I know, we haven't greeted yet. This is all a bit awkward. The band's still on stage. Everyone's really uncomfortable right now because we're out of routine, but just go with me on this and promise with you. It's all going to go okay. See, we, might, we and myself included, we have a very robotic way of greeting each other. Whenever we do the greetings here at church, we turn to the same three or four people every single Sunday, shake hands, and ask, how are you doing? And we all respond with, good. I'm good. You see, we could be having trouble in our marriage. We could have lost our job. Our car could be on fire in the parking lot. And when asked, how are you doing this morning? We respond with, good. Well, I guess if our car was on fire, we might respond with, all right. So... You see, I I get to speak about Jesus living in community, and the way we greet each other is a big part of this message. Some might even say a major element of living in community. So, you see, this isn't answering good isn't the way Jesus greeted people. And I come from a mindset that the way Jesus greeted people is a really good example of how we should greet people. First Peter reads, Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. So this morning... No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to make you greet, kiss each other. This guy was looking at his neighbor like, uh. No, I'm kidding. No, see, what Peter is telling us here is that we need to be warm and, and compassionate with those around us. We need to be caring. We embrace each other with a hearty handshake or a good hug. See, Romans 14.1 reads very clearly how we welcome new believers into his house. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. So if there's someone new to the church, we don't argue politics or sports or hairstyle, but we humble ourselves and we ask each other how we're doing and we ask them, you know, we we become warm and compassionate and pointing towards the greatness of Jesus. Paul goes on in Romans 15, 7 to say, therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. We remember the grace given to us through Christ, how Jesus has has found and welcomed us into his house and we share that grace when we're welcoming others into his house. So I'm going to give you some time now to greet each other this morning the way God instructs us to greet each other. However, you, you can greet, this, greet the same three or four people around you you do every single Sunday next week. This morning what I want you to do is find someone you've never spoken with before and ask them how they're doing and respond honestly. If you see someone that you may have never seen here at Element before and may be new to the church, talk to them. Ask them what brought them to Element this morning, how long they've been going, and get to know them a little bit. Or maybe there's someone in this church you've seen for the past few weeks, months, or years at this service that you've never spoken with before. Find that person. Talk to them. Ask them how they're doing today. And, you know, answer truthfully and honestly. And, you know, get to know the people around you. And when they ask, you know, how are you doing, respond honestly. Have a conversation. Pray for people that may need prayer and get to know those around you. So I'll have you guys stand for the reading of God's word, and then we'll greet each other with peace this morning. So... Today's reading is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, 17 through 22. And he came and preached peace unto you who are far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Pray with me. 
Dear God, I pray that we can be a people uh, understanding that we are your hands, feet, and mouth here on earth, that we can humble ourselves and and be honest with people around us, that we live our lives uh, for your glory, always pointing towards you with a humble understanding that we cannot do anything on our own, but we can only introduce people to you. We can change people. You, Jesus, are the one that brings change and that you, Jesus, bring peace. And, and I pray that we can learn to live in a community for you. Amen. You guys can now actually greet each other this morning. See, I, that wasn't so bad, was that? Actually, actually getting to know people around you and actually greeting people. So, see, I, I, I really hope that continues here at Element in all the services. I hope we could all be warm and compassionate and actually get to know people around us and have conversations. And I asked Aaron beforehand, you know, would he mind if we actually continue to actually greet people every morning? And he said, sure, that's fine. He'll give you guys as much time as you need. I mean, he'll, he'll jump in and stop you if he needs to. It's easy to imagine Aaron coming in and telling you what to do and how it is. So speaking of Aaron, I was trying to figure out like what he does to prepare for a message. So I put a bandaid on my finger this morning. So didn't actually hurt myself, but I got the Band-Aid, so that's a plus, right? Okay, so, so let's go on and talk about Jesus living in community. Uh, I first need to start off today's message with a definition of the gospel for you to all have in your heads as we go over um, the sermon today. Here's that definition. We are all separated from a relationship with God because of our own actions. By the grace of Jesus, he has found us, cleaned us up, and adopted us into his family. We then live our lives for the glory of Christ and sharing the good news that Jesus has saved and redeemed us. There are going to be a lot of Bible verses I'm going to be going over today. So if you brought a Bible with you this morning, like one of these really cool analog versions, just open up to Matthew chapter 1 and hold there. If you brought a digital version of the Bible, you can just skim through all the messages I'm going through this, this morning and just keep Matthew chapter 1 in the back of your heads for a little later down the road. So... What does a gospel community look like? Or what does community look like, I should say? Well, community is defined as a group of people who live in the same area. Two, a group of people who have the same interests, religion, race, etc. And three, a group of nations. Now, this is what the Bible has to say about community. And remember, when I read out of this book, it is God-breathed. Acts 2, 42-47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. To me, that sounds a lot like the church on Sunday mornings and living outside the church in gospel communities. You see... Jesus lived his life in community, and the Bible tells us why we should be doing the same. Jesus tells us that we must first lose our lives if we want to save them. We need to be a people that define our life as a passionate pursuit of God. It should be marked by the hatred of sin and a crazy desire for the fame of him, taking every opportunity we have to share the gospel with those around us. You can do this in church, sure, but you can live this out in community. Sunday mornings, living life as the church gathered is great, but it's, it's not enough. We should be living as the church scattered also, breaking bread in each other's homes and living on mission to spread the gospel. You see, 
we are the church. So when I say the church, I don't want you guys to just think Sunday morning. We are the church, whether we are inside these walls or outside these walls. We are the church gathered here on Sunday mornings, and then we're the church scattered as soon as we leave here. So I want us to live as a church scattered in our communities, discipling one another, praying for each other, and living our lives as God has commanded us to. Let me be clear here. God does not give suggestions. He commands. And he has the power and authority to do so as our, lo- as our loving father who sent his only son to save us. I was hoping to get some amens. I'm going to try that again. God does not give suggestions. He commands. And he has the power and authority to do so as our loving father who sent his only son to save us. Amen. Amen. That's better. I like hearing that. So let's talk about the church gathered for a second. Biblically, these are the moments where Jesus would be teaching the hundreds or thousands. This would be one of Paul's church plants. This is the area where people gather to, to be taught and to worship together. This is where a pastor is able to teach to large groups of all sizes. To me, the church gathered is an awesome thing. I mean, looking around this room right now is amazing. We have a room full of people who completely disagree with each other. Yet we're all gathered here in love, and we are all, our focus is on Jesus. We have a room full of Democrats, Republicans, liberals, and there's no arguing or bickering between us right now. That happens after we leave these walls. <laughs> no, it's not happening right now because our focus is all on Jesus. I, let me try to explain this the best way I know how. See, I love hockey. I'm a hockey guy. And as a hockey guy, I'm always going to be supporting my ducks. You know, that's my team. But Sorry, Saban. But as a Christian, I have no problem sharing love with someone who's a fan of the Kings or, heck, even the Sharks. It's just, it's just good there are no Arizona fans around here this morning. For it says in Second Hesitations, chapter 19, verse 93, do not be a fan of the Coyotes. There, I said it. It's been said in church. I think we can all agree that's doctrine now. So let's just move on. No, I'm just kidding. I'm enjoying my soapbox. You would do the same thing. So, okay, seriously, though. Seriously, we need to be a church that is accepting and loving and can put our worldly differences aside to put Christ first. This isn't a suggestion, but a command given to us from God. Here, when we're the church gathered, it doesn't matter if you're Ford or Chevy, iPhone or Android, dogs or cats, city or country, because no matter where our earthly differences lay, all of our focus should be on Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, that there be no division among you, that you all be united in the same mind and same judgment. That is the church gathered right there. John 13.24-25, Jesus says this to his church, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You see, the church gathered is essential. When God's children come together, there should be a warmth and love and compassion in that group. A large gathering, worshiping Jesus together with a focus of learning the gospel. But that that isn't enough. If our identity is set in Jesus, then our response should be to act as his hands, feet, and mouth here in spreading the gospel. With our identity in him, we respond naturally by living in community for him. This brings us to living in a gospel community. Biblically, this would be the, when Jesus was living and teaching in people's homes. This is that vision, that last supper that we all have, know so well. Actually, now that I think about it, when you guys try to form a picture of Jesus in your mind, do you picture him standing behind a pulpit, preaching to a bunch of people sitting down? Or do you picture him one-on-one with people in small groups or maybe with his disciples? 
You see, Jesus taught to large groups often, but he lived his life for God in smaller gatherings daily. We can all gather in a large group and sit and be preached to. We can attend one of the gospel classes in a smaller group and, you know, be taught to and ask some questions. We can even be discipled to one-on-one, teacher to student. But that shouldn't be all we're doing to grow spiritually and learn doctrine. Those aren't the only ways of learning. The other is done in smaller gatherings, in smaller gospel communities. See, within a smaller gospel community, we're all learning from each other and teaching each other and growing spiritually together. The GCI lead here at Element, Aaron, is a part of. And as, as the lead pastor of the church, I asked him, when we gather outside of Sunday mornings, do you feel like you're just teaching again? Or do you feel like you're a part of the group growing spiritually? And this is what he told me. Yes, spiritually, I do grow in GC along with the rest of us. So in that smaller setting, it doesn't matter if you're the lead pastor of a church or a new believer. Everyone is growing together. So what does a gospel community look like? It's having your identity be in Christ and living that out by spreading the gospel and serving those around us. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another in love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. With our focus and identity in him, our response is living in a gospel community for him and being excited about doing it and not neglecting or putting it aside for our other things we think we want to do, but making sure our focus is on Jesus and that we're gathering together for him and getting others excited about gathering within that for Jesus and living a gospel-centered life. Romans fifteen seven says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Again, our identity is being children of God. Just like when we were, just like the church, it's a group of people who gather with a focus on Jesus, remembering that He first welcomed us. Like when we greet each other this morning, we are all open, honest, truthful, having a conversation, getting to know each other. That shouldn't just be happening here at God's house, but this should, that should be happening outside these walls with every day and every day with everyone we meet. See, we should be living here. We should be coming to church on a Sunday morning, but also greeting people this way outside the church as the church scattered too. Ephesians four fifteen through 16. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Jesus is the head. Jesus is our lead shepherd. Jesus has the utmost authority, and through that, gospel community is for us to take care of each other and help us all grow up towards that headship. Because if someone's needs aren't being met, the gospel community is to come to them and make sure their needs are being met in a way that honors Christ. And let me be clear about that. If, you know, it's a way, it's a need that honors Christ. So if you have an old 26-inch tube television that weighs... 200 pounds, you don't expect your GC to come together and buy you a new HD TV, you know? Actually, now that I think about that, that is a need, and you should take care of that. So, But what I mean by that is that if someone in your gospel community is having a hard time or coming upon a struggle, you make sure that they have food on the table, that they're functioning at their best. It's making sure everyone within a gospel community is growing towards Jesus together. 
Philippians 2, 3 through 16. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Gospel community is a small gathered people who put Jesus first. I'm not looking to our own interests or being selfish of our needs, but putting others first. With your identity in Christ, you respond naturally by serving others. Just a month ago, a girl in our in RGC, she was having she she needed a break from life and her child. Okay, mainly a break from her child. So one of the guys in RGC said, I'll watch your kids so you can, you know, go out and relax and regather yourselves. And that translated to a bunch of us guys watching a bunch of kids so the ladies can go off and meet and, and serve her. You know, they prayed with her and cried with her. Why we listened to crying and prayed to hold strong. <laughs> you don't put that many guys in charge of kids. But you know what? We put our selfish needs aside and we served someone in RGC that needed it. So 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possessions, that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Can anyone guess whose excellence we're to proclaim? Jesus. Jesus is first. He is our identity. And therefore, we respond. A gospel community is spreading the love of Jesus to others and is humble and kind in doing so. And this isn't just door to door, but this is having a barbecue with friends, going out to dinner, getting to know our coworkers and our neighbors, and serving and serving those around us. Peter reminds us that once we had not received mercy, but now through Jesus we have been found and received mercy. To be on mission with Jesus is remember that we are plucked from death to the grace of Christ. It wasn't our astute theology that saved us. We were once heretics, rebels, and heathens who hated God until he turned his face towards us. Therefore, our verbal proclamation of the truth of Christ must be first inspired by compassion to engage our neighbors and say, I know what you're looking for. I was once there too looking for it, and I found the answer in Jesus. We cannot believe the gospel without being moved to action by it. If we believe that Jesus is the light of the world, if we believe that he and he alone is worthy of worship, then we will be compelled to join in with God on mission. Jesus says the two greatest commandments are to love God and love our neighbor. If we are not concerned with advancing the kingdom of God by sharing the gospel through our lives, then we love neither. We need to be a people putting Jesus first, then living on mission and serving those outside the church and sharing the love of Jesus Through our actions, a small group of people doing the Lord's work with love and not being lazy to gather once a night just to sit around and have a Bible study. A gospel community is not just a Bible study. It's not just one night a week outside a church. It's the way and rhythm in which we live. It's the church gathered and the church scattered and us individually spreading the gospel of Jesus daily. Our goal is to be a people who wrestle daily with the gospel and its implications in our lives. We've been called and equipped through the Holy Spirit with the life-giving word of God. A gospel community does that by attending church together to worship with others and by leaving the church to worship together and praying for each other. 
A gospel community is then moving out of the comfort of the church and our homes to live out the gospel in our lives and while enjoying everything God has provided for us. Listen to Jesus' prayer here. This is in John 17, 20 through 23. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their words, that they may be all that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and love them even as you loved me. Jesus prayed that we would be united. Jesus prayed for us as a church to be united. Jesus pointed to you, and our response to that prayer is to be united. Why? So that the world would believe that Jesus was sent by God, and so that the world would know that God loves us. Jesus, King of Kings, believed that the unity of his church would communicate all of this to the whole world. You see, we are routine people that like the way things are. We like our schedules, plans. We like the friends we gather with. And it doesn't matter if those friends are believers or not because we enjoy it. That's great. You, you enjoy it. If you are doing community for you, then you are doing community wrong. Living life following Christ is not routine. Get time with other believers who are passionate. Because when you don't, it's like pulling a stick out of a fire. It eventually burns out. Huddle up with other believers and try to capture some of that passion for Jesus. Living in a gospel community is something you should want to do. It's something we should be excited about. God invited us to be part of his community. God invited us into his family. He adopted us, and that family's last name is Christian. In my opinion, Jesus started the first gospel community with his disciples, and through that first GC, we now have this amazing church of believers all over the world. That first GC did not stay a small group or just a Bible study, but spread out and grew as the gospel, as gospel communities should for the glory of Christ. The question is, are you willing to count the cost, repent, and receive the blessing of community, which you've already received, and start living in a community that lives for Jesus? And when you are ready, don't worry about finding a community you can fit comfortably into. No, just sign up for a gospel community and jump in. Sign up to be a part of an agape dinner before you leave for one of the agape dinners tonight. Because it doesn't matter where you fit in with people on their worldly beliefs, but that we're a people all focused on Jesus and that we all have the same focus on Jesus. What we've been talking about this morning is the ideal. With our identity, in, with our identity set in Christ, we respond a certain way and start living a certain way. But unfortunately, all of our gospel communities here at Element are filled with, well, us. You know, so they're not going to be perfect. It takes all of us living for Jesus and spreading the gospel for that to come about. And it takes a long time for us to get there, if it ever gets there at all. You see, I, I mean, look at the gospel community Jesus was a part of. A tax collector, doubters, a man who persecuted Christians, even Judas who went on to betray him with a kiss. Jesus was in a horrible gospel community. We would not be signing up for that GC by any means you know, but it wasn't until Jesus died and was resurrected that their focus became Jesus, and then they became an awesome GC and learned how to welcome others in and scattered outward, scattering out the word. That growth of one gospel community living on mission helped the church grow 40% per decade for the first 300 years. 
Because their focus was not themselves, but their focus was in Jesus. We all here today must understand identity and response. It's not about how hard we work in day or day out. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So apart from him, we're always doing nothing. Which means our identity must first be in him to realize what has already been done. Because our identity is in him, we already have community. Now we must actually live that out as something we have. As the church gathered here on Sunday mornings to worship, and then the church scattered to live in community on mission for those in need around us. And spreading the gospel to the lost. When we start truly doing that, then we are changing the world for the glory of God. Now, back to Matthew chapter 1 to close things out. I want you to go home and start reading from there. Make it a mission to connect with the Father through the, son, through the words of his Son. I'm sure if you make it a priority, you can get through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John before Thanksgiving. And I'll, and I'll give you a spoiler about the Gospels. It's a, it's, it's a story like you've never, ever heard before. In this story, the hero dies for the villain. Read the Gospels. For our identity isn't found in us, it's found in Jesus. The Gospel enters culture, becomes the church, and then looks back to the Gospel. So even if we think we're doing everything right and we're doing everything by God's word, we need to turn back and read what God has to say for us and grow in Jesus. Because that's what it's all about, coming back to Jesus. This is why we come to communion, to break that cracker as Christ's body was broken for us, to dip it in the wine or grape juice, to remind us of his blood that was spilled for us. Communion is Jesus inviting us into community with the Father, Son, and Spirit. The band is going to come up now, and if you're in a gospel community and there are others in your GC here today, I think it would be really cool if you guys took communion together this morning. You don't have to. I just think it would be really cool if you guys gathered to have communion. You see, you aren't living your lives for Jesus if you think that means just coming to church on a Sunday morning. It's not simply coming to church on a Sunday morning and then gathering at a house for a Bible study. Living for Jesus is is gathering to worship as the church gathered, then leaving here on a Sunday morning to live as the church scattered, studying God's word, having meals together, and serving the community around us, and spreading the gospel to everyone that we know. Thank you. And we do this, we do this why? Because of our identity. And what is our identity? Children of God that we were adopted into his family, that we were wanted in love. So we show that with our response. I'll, I'll give you a great way to start. Um, who here is going to an agape meal tonight? Raise your hands. Keep your hands up for a second. See everyone with their hands down? I want you to invite them before you leave today. If you have your hands down and you want to go, to, I totally singled you out. Deal with it. So I want you to find someone that had their hands up and ask them, tell them that you'd like to go to an agape meal tonight and just jump into one. Because it doesn't matter where our worldly differences lay. It's, it's the fact that we all have a focus on Jesus. It'd be great if everyone here could live today in a gospel community beyond these walls. Worshiping here once a week is great. Having a Bible study once a week is great. But we should be living out the gospel in our lives day in and day out, seven days a week. Spreading the gospel and being Jesus' hands, feet, and voice here on earth. When we all start doing that, then... That is something glorious. It's something to be excited about. Join me in prayer. Dear God, I, I pray that we can be a people that come here on a Sunday morning to worship together, to worship you, and, 
and learn about you, God, that we can be focused on you. But that when we leave these walls, that our focus doesn't defer, it stays on you. See, the definition of love is you before me. And that we can be people that are always putting others before us. And that when we, when people ask us how we're doing, we just don't tell them good. We tell them why we're good. We tell them that we are saved, that we are loved, and that Jesus has redeemed us. I pray that we can live in a gospel community day in and day out with everyone that we know. That we're living our lives for you and not us. Have us come awake to the life that you have called us to. In Jesus' name, amen.